you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Around the League Podcast. Vacations in Teams Medical Whirlpools. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room full of heroes. Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Good to have you back. Great to be back. It's, first of all, great job, fellas, on uh, Friday and Sunday. I listened to Sunday's pod on, in the airport. Uh, at JFK, I enjoyed the uh, Greg right off the top with the 15-minute love letter to Tom Brady. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah, that was adorable. Um, some other, a couple other bits of housekeeping. Um, the podcast studio is completely a mess right now. Well, I don't know like what happened here. We got like, like an Al Qaeda hit. It, it, something happened, and there's also there's a refrigerator. You mentioned Al-Qaeda. There's a refrigerator. It looks very suspicious in the corner. I don't know what's going on here. Um, so that's weird. So that's different. And um, also there was the NFL Network 10th anniversary party last night. And it's just we're kind of lucky that we're all in the same room today. We are. I, uh, it was fun. I had a softball game beforehand when, it, when the gala started. So I came in midstream. I like how you called it a gala. Yes. I came in midstream after the uh, bar had been open for a few hours. So it was entertaining for me to see everyone already into their night. <laughs> you know, uh, we did tweet out a photo of the three of us. Greg was not able to attend, unfortunately. Greg, yeah, where I, were you? What was that all about? I'm that guy that is annoyed at everyone talking about how much fun they had at the party, hoping that I didn't come in and everyone's talking about it, and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know about the party until the day before. They think I'm a New York employee. I wasn't on the email. It was a little too late to... Adjust. Yeah, the quarterback index was due, but I blew it. It was my I, bad. I found out about the party when I came into work yesterday, and everybody was all dressed up. And I'm like, what is happening? Turned out it, you had a dress in cocktail attire, which explained which, Mark's new suit. Mark was wearing a new suit. Which led me to a Google suit. search for cocktail attire. <laughs> Everyone looks great. Anyway, so that was fun, and uh, it's good to be back. So let it, let's get right to it. We have a big show today. Uh, we're going to do... Uh, little Thursday night football preview. We're going to talk about the rookies that have jumped out to us this year. We're going to stick a fork in another team. But we will start with the news. K. Rich. Mm. Oh. You got to love it, though. Bonkers sack. Mm, that's great. What's up, K. Rich? What's up, guys? Um, you were not at the party either. I was not at the party, and it broke my heart. I had a a prior engagement that I had to attend, and I couldn't make it back on time and get dressed up, so I missed all the fun. You missed out because very rarely are the ATL boys dressed up in ties and jackets. 
I would say that we were looking quite fetching. Sure. And you missed out on that. So Dashing. And I saw a picture of you guys looking quite fetching, especially your face. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, Mark, should, Mark looked like uh, Steve Carell from the 40-year-old version poster. <laughs> so look at his Twitter account and find it and make fun of it. And him. I learned that Wes, whenever he's in a picture, always has his eyes closed. When I smile, my eyes disappear. I'm, I'm, I'm Mr. <laughs> Magoo. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it, and it was pretty shocking. All right, K-Rich, what is in the news? All right, Mr. Magoo, we have a lot of news to get to today. So we're going to start off with the Cowboys. They released their all-pro defender, Jay Ratliff, with a failed physical. This just reminds me of why the Cowboys are the Cowboys. And by that, I mean why they're 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven and, and, and annoyingly underachieving every year. It's not because Tony Romo can't win in the fourth quarter. It's because Jerry Jones can't evaluate his own roster. He can't self-scout, and he always pays for players that were on his roster too much money. He always keeps them around two years too long. We said at the time they shouldn't have brought back Ratliff. I mean, through the years, go through the names. Ken Hamlin, Roy Williams, Doug Free, Gerald Sensabaugh, Ratliff. I could list them on and on of guys that Jones has paid too much because basically he's hyped them up and he's convinced himself these are somehow great players. This guy had a DUI. He got an uh, altercation with Jerry Jones. He hasn't played well, and he's been injury prone and a pain in the neck for years, and they still decided to bring him back this year for $5 million. Didn't get a snap out of him. I thought Tim McMahon with uh, ESPN had a great line on Twitter. The Cowboys didn't get a single snap out of Jay Ratliff for the $18 million guaranteed he got on extension that just kicked in this year, and he will count $6.93 million in dead, million, dead money against the cap next season. What a, it's just a disastrous financial decision. Question for you, though. At this point, obviously, it, it was a terrible contract that came way too late in this guy's career. Do you have a problem that they actually just cut him at this point, though, versus hang, having him hang around? No, that's good, because it sounds like there was issues going on behind the scenes. He clearly had a problem with the medical staff in the front office, but they should have cut him a long time ago. At this point, it's a fine move, but this is why Tony Romo might struggle in the fourth quarter sometimes, because they can't afford to pay other players, because they're paying guys that aren't even on the roster. Worst contract. Jay Ratliff's $18 million guaranteed. Jake DeLome's $13 million guaranteed with the, with the, with the Panthers. <laughs> or, remember this one, Antonio Bryant with the Bengals. He got like 24 or $30 million or something. How about like the Mark Sanchez contract? That's, that's a bad one. I'm going DeLome. That's the worst contract of all time that I can think of. Jerry Porter was up, up there, I think. Yeah. Uh, all right, K-Rich, what else is in the news? <laughs> all right, guys, I don't know about you, but this rubs me a little bit the wrong way. Josh Freeman on his new team after being named the starter said the Vikings do things the right way before he even took a snap as a starter <laughs> just saying uh, well he he also said Freeman said uh, that the Vikings organization had uh, a quality human beings in their building and they do things the right way oh this here. is a uh, Rutgers thing with with K Rich isn't it She's just sticking uh, up. Yeah, I'm not sure why K. Rich has a big issue. The last this. Greg Shiano supporter behind the glass. <laughs> I feel like I got caught. <laughs> uh, you did. I was wondering. Yeah. Like, you know what? Like, I, I don't feel. I don't feel that bad at all because you know you should save anything that you have to say until you take the snap. Because what if you do terrible and then they put you on the sidelines again? Are you? Are do they still do things the right way? <laughs> Forget Mr. Magoo. He's Sherlock Holmes over there. Great job there, yeah. Wesley. <laughs> Sniffed it out. I, I think, think yeah. it's just it's classic athlete talk, you know. And he and listen, he's kept quiet since he got 
kicked out of town, basically. I mean, the, his fall from grace in Tampa was you don't see teams handle that that poorly that often. It's I mean, it that, was handled very poorly. It's weird that Christian Ponder is now the backup and Castle is number three. Well, I mean, it's yeah. just strange. Yeah, they, Castle was starting the last couple of weeks. Now Ponder's the backup. It's just changing every couple of weeks. It doesn't speak well to a sense of direction there. No. Well, I could see none of those quarterbacks being there next year and the coach not being there. That would be less quality human beings less from a quality pure number standpoint. <laughs> uh, what else is in the news, Cambridge? Next up, Peyton Manning has nothing to say on the Irsay Fox controversy. I don't understand why he should have anything to say. Irsay was talking about building his team, not about Peyton Manning's quality of play. Yeah, this was th- downstairs uh, in the newsroom. Damashek got all up in arms that I had the gall to say that this was a manufactured controversy in the news. <laughs> Because um, it is. I mean, Albert Breer spoke with Ursay a week earlier, and Ursay kind of made it clear that this was more about they needed to change the, the structure, and it was a, really about um, a big picture. It had nothing to do with the quarterback position specifically. Uh, and, of course, Manning, because he's Manning and, you know, he does everything the right way, came out today, and he, he's got a game to prepare for. He's like, no, nah, I got nothing to say about this. Um, just kind of a, a silly storyline that he has to navigate through as he gets towards Sunday night. Isn't this the kind of thing that 25 years ago sports reporters wouldn't even cover or touch? This is uh, give the give the people the controversy they want is kind of the ethos of professional wrestling. Damashek believes that should extend also to journalism. Well, that is the case. I mean, that's why we're talking about it, right? Those it, are the stories. Controversies people hit. do not get any more manufactured than this one. But I, John Fox <laughs> is the one that lit the right. fire, that threw right. the gasoline on it. So it's Peyton Manning's old coach that said, and I thought Jeff Darlington was smart to point out, Fox is very guarded with the media. He said this to make some sort of statement or get people fired up. He said that you know Jim Irsay was taking a cheap shot at Manning. That's really what sets this off and makes this a talking point. Right. I don't think we'd be talking about this right now if it just laid where it was, but then Fox escalated it. But, uh, yeah, I don't think this provides any more motivation for Peyton Manning. I don't think this has anything to do how the game plays out. It's just something that happened, and Dave Damshek needs to pipe down about it. Well, I have no doubt that he wants to absolutely destroy Jim Ursay's soul on Sunday. That would be the oh, case yeah. anyways, and he probably does have thoughts about him. You know, they asked him about Ursay's relationship, and he wouldn't comment on it. Yeah, well, they have telling. a weird friendship. I mean, they were very tight for ages. I, my guess is Peyton Manning thinks about Jim Mersey the same that a lot of fans think about Jim Mersey when he's writing those tweets. It's sort of how <laughs> uh, Greg and Wes will be like 15 years from now. I could see that. I could totally see that. What else, K. Rich? All right. This next piece is not media manufactured. This is real. Peyton Hillis signs with the running back needy Giants. You are a factory of sadness! Sessler? <laughs> well, I think the Giants are hedging closer to factory of sadness right now. You know, so Peyton Hillis, guy's been unemployed for a long time. You'd think there'd be some pep and some zest when he gets a new job. And someone asked him, hey, Peyton Hillis, are you ready to jump into New York's backfield and hit someone and make an impact? You want to get that playbook out and get ready to roll? And he says, basically, maybe, maybe not, we'll see. <laughs> I, I miss the days of Peyton Hills where he was a 1,100-yard rusher and we had viral videos of him dragging tractors across a field somewhere in the middle of America. Now this is the sad Peyton Hills that shows up every you know eight to ten months, says he's going to recapture his glory years, and then disappears into the ether shortly thereafter. Where did he get that strength to pull those tractors? 
<laughs> no comment. I, we don't know. He, no one knows. He was on the cover Mysterious. of Madden only two years ago, and that's the ultimate proof that you should never let fans vote for anything. Whenever they're saying, oh, they got to get fans more involved with the pro, fans should <laughs> needs to be involved less. The only reason Peyton, Man- Peyton Hillis would ever be on a cover of Madden is because they let the fans vote. I'm excited for the Giants' all-uncles backfield. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. Yeah, no, it's the all uncles backfield, and I think Mark maybe or Wes put it best where they're working with a thunder and thunder approach. Yeah, there's in no New York in the here. backfield. I said thunder yeah. and blunder. Thunder and blunder. <laughs> Monday night what football. A nightmare. Peyton Hillis, Josh Freeman. They found a way. They found week. a way to kind of weave in some storylines here. This was 2010. That would be huge. Uh, is there anything else in the news, Carriage? All right, guys. Last up for the day, Gerard Mayo placed on the New England Patriots IR list. Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Just look at me. Why is that? Uh, yeah, the Patriots. Come good. on. I heard, you, I heard your intro on Sunday night. It's a shame because he's played two of the best games I can remember him playing back-to-back in his whole career. I mean, he had one of the best games of his career, I thought, against the Bengals, and then he was covering Darren Sproles on Sunday, and they don't have anyone else that versatile. They have no one to replace him. It's probably going to be a rookie, Jamie Collins, and he's just one of those guys that's good on every down, and he's really the heart and soul of the leader. People say Will Fork, and he's maybe the most important player, but to me, Mayo is is the leader of that defense. So they've been a defensive-oriented team. It's going to be a lot harder with that. Would you say after Tom Brady and Gronkowski, Will Fork and Mayo are the most important players on the roster? Yeah, Nate Solder's close maybe but yeah without getting too macro in the viewpoint of it i mean if you lose your best two defensive Talib is there too by the way sorry if you miss your best two defensive players for the year i mean is that something where you could you could say that's a super bowl clincher uh that you can't make a super bowl you lose that much talent in your defense it just means that tom brady and the offense are gonna have to get that much better because look they made the super bowl twice with inferior defenses their defense can still be average without those two guys but yeah it's it's a huge blow to their chances and as a side note are we going to see Gronk this week who knows I'm kind of What's going I'm on a little that? bit over it to be honest he's uh I saw a tweet from Pat Doherty on Twitter Gronk has decided to join the beach volleyball circuit and hasn't told him <laughs> <laughs> no because the reason I bring it up is because yes like Greg was saying if you have a dynamic offense you could cover up things but they're not going to be dynamic until Gronk's back and being Gronk and we don't know what's going on with that. It's so. concerning that he wasn't cleared last week. How much better is is he going to be four or five days later? We talked about a media, you know, inspired controversy with Manning. Gronk is not a media creation. There is a lot going on behind the scenes with this, and and they're not happy with each other. And we'll just see if he can play the role of Jimmy Graham in practice. Why can't he play? I don't understand that. I guess it's just taking a hit. He can run and jump and everything else, but. They said on the broadcast, not only was he practicing when they watched, he was dominating. He was all over the field. And I was thinking to myself at the end of that game, uh, the great comeback by the Pats, I was thinking to myself before that happened, wow, this story is going to get big this week that, you know, the Patriots, you know, are giving all they have and they don't have Gronk out there. And it's going to be like that would have been started stirring that idea of a resentment. But now that they keep winning, that's been very helpful right. to him. Um, all right. Is that it, Carriage? That's all, guys. All right, great. All right, let's move. Let's move forward. The first uh, first game of Week Seven is uh, tomorrow. The Seattle Seahawks go to Arizona to play the Cardinals. Seahawks are five and one. Cardinals are three and three. What do we think about this game, boys? Seahawks aren't as good on the road. We know that. 
They will be they will be without Bobby Wagner at middle linebacker. There's talk that Brandon Browner could be benched. He lost some snaps last week, so there are a couple issues on their defense. But uh, I still don't see Carson Palmer like riddling this defense with passes. I think with these Thursday night games, there's just so little time for scheming and preparation that it a lot of times just boils down to the best players on the field. And it's just it's hard to come up with a scenario where uh, Seattle loses this game. They're just a much more talented football team. Well, every road game they've had has been close. And the Cardinals have played teams pretty tough in Arizona. They played the 49ers tough last week for the most part. They're a good defense, and I don't think the Seahawks team is going to score a lot of points. I'd almost be surprised if this isn't a one-score game in the fourth quarter. I think it'll be a close game. One thing that kind of – I know a lot of people bought in on Carson Palmer and Bruce Arians together being able to rebuild that offense, but uh, they're 25th in points, 26th in total yards, 18th in passing, 24th in rushing yards. It's still a pretty anemic offense. You know, watching Palmer, though, I, I, and if you don't protect him well, he is essentially useless. And for, for most of this season, you know, when Levi Brown was in there especially – it just it was hard to watch. He's not he's not getting any time. The guy who took Levi Brown's place, Bradley Soul, had a worse game last week than Levi Brown had at any point this season. How much rope, by the way, does Carson Palmer have this year? They got to fall. I don't because Stanton's not the answer, as uh, Chris <laughs> artfully pointed out last week. He doesn't know what the question is, but Stanton's not the answer. <laughs> uh, I think he's got plenty of rope. They'd have to fall really far out of it. And they're doing well. They're 3-3. Three and three, And as bad as all those offensive numbers are, they're a lot better than they were last year. You know? I mean, they, right. they've taken – they've made some improvements. So does anybody think that Seattle is going to lose this game? I am not taking the Cardinals. I'm taking Seattle. I'm taking Seattle. It's not a, it's not a matchup that should – you go in thinking this is going to be a barn burner, not on any level. Hmm. I think it'll be close. I, I agree uh, with Greg, uh, but I also think the Seahawks will win. No hero here. How about the fact, though, let's just back it up for one second. They're, they've played two games at home this year. They beat the Detroit Lions, and they beat the Carolina Panthers, two of our favorite teams, two games where I don't know if any of us picked the Cardinals to win. Both ugly games. Those are good results, though, great results. Yeah. They did look, I thought against the Niners, they, they really did show something, but it's as Arian said, they they couldn't get it done, and they, they, they kind of collapsed in the fourth quarter. The Niners got much more physical, ran through them, had like a 15-play scoring drive towards the end of the game, and it, Arizona just isn't quite there yet. How is Seattle, by the way, that, this is three road games in a row, right? No, they were, in, they were home last week against Tennessee. Oh, right, right. You miss a week, and yeah, you're just I'm totally out, out of it <laughs> Wait, there was football this weekend? Who knew? Uh, all right, let's move right along. Uh, we thought maybe this would be a good time to check in with some of the rookies that have caught our eye this season. Uh, there are a lot of a lot of guys that you know are playing very well right now. There are a couple of guys that are surprisingly not. So we figured, why don't we go around the room and talk about uh, guys that jump out? Chris Wessling, you want to get us going? Well, I think the early favorite for rookie of the year, best most impact has to be Kiko Alonso, who uh, the Bills homer scores credited with twenty two tackles last game. He's leading the NFL in both tackles and interceptions. And this leads me on a bit of a rant here. It's 2013. We can get internet on airplanes, but we can't. Sometimes. We can't have one single tackle stat. The NFL can't do this. How can we not? This is like a cereal. It's 2013. We're still eating out of cardboard boxes and in plastic bags. You spill it all over your kitchen. Come on. There's got to be a better way here. 
Wait, you're taking a anti-cereal box stance? Yes. I didn't know anybody like, did uh, something the, like the that. It's like the cardboard chocolate milk that little kids use for lunch. They got yeah. to open up that stupid spout. Oh, that's spout. ridiculous. We yeah. can't do any better than that in 2013. Oh, I agree Come with on. that. Yes. Cereal, too. How many times have you just like opened your cereal and it goes all over the kitchen floor? Because I don't you have, have as big open... a problem with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the milk I'm all in on. Dan doesn't have a kitchen floor. So you're saying that the Bills scores are... Juicing the stats. You're questioning the integrity of the Buffalo community. It's not even an accusation. It's a truism. <laughs> There's three guys jumping on one ball carrier. Kiko Alonso comes in as the fourth guy, and they give him a tackle for that. The guy's already down. I'm not sure what to, what to say. Maybe he shouldn't be defensive rookie of the year by that logic. He still made a big impact. All right, let's let's get back on the tracks here, Mark. What do you think? I, uh, you know, before the season, I went with Star Latulele as is my the pick. Incorrect pronunciation. I tried to get that from you before the show. Is that Star Lutalalele. Uh Well, you took me down a, an incorrect yeah. path, so I'm just going to call him by his first name. I like him. I, you know, yeah, he's not had his best games in the last couple there, but he looks to me just not even like a rookie. He just looks like someone who's who right away. Stepped in, contributes, looks extremely comfortable. I also think with this entire rookie class, like last year was so quarterback heavy that you couldn't really get off that topic. It's been enjoyable because the the rookies this year are spread over positions we don't normally analyze, linemen on both sides of the ball. I, I think that Starr is is going to stay my pick because of what he's done. He's been he's done everything they've asked him to. You don't think that Sheldon Richardson has bypassed him by now? He and Snacks are That's shutting tough. down everything. That's tough. Sheldon's been fantastic. I mean, at this point, though, I'm just saying we're six weeks in. I want to see where this goes. Sheldon could be rookie of the year. He could wouldn't, be. Wouldn't surprise me. Not at all. Um, you know, one player that's really jumped out to me, and he's been a lifesaver for his team, is – uh, Keenan Allen with the Chargers. Um, I think everyone thought he was one of the high, more highly touted wide receivers, but uh, you know, no one thought he was going to make an instant impact, and he has. He has really good chemistry with Rivers, uh, and that's been especially important because you remember that Denario Alexander uh, blew, it out, blew out his knee in August, then Malcolm Floyd followed him shortly thereafter. There was a huge void there, and he stepped right in, and uh, you know, he's on pace for a 1,000-yard season. He looks like a veteran. He's, he does the little things. He's not a flashy guy, but he's impressive to watch, and he's been be- he's a lifesaver for that team. You, you mentioned why, because I don't know who Rivers is throwing to each down otherwise. He's been uh, his most trusted receiver the past couple of games. It looks like he's taken over the number one receiver mantle there. So is he the best rookie receiver right now? DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen. Well, we know that Tavon Austin is not in that conversation. No Austin played three snaps last week on offense. Now, part of that was because uh, they jumped out to that early lead. It was a blowout, and they didn't use 11 personnel, which is the package that Austin plays in. But his snaps are down for four consecutive weeks. He has seven drops this year and is averaging six yards per touch. Not good. I feel like we've talked a lot about Tavon Austin this year, but I think it's because it's kind of a fascinating storyline. And then when you told me yesterday in the newsroom that he played three, three snaps, it's like, whoa, what is going on? In St. Louis, they need. I don't care what the game situation is. You mortgaged your future to get this guy on your team. You have to get him on the field. Yeah, when you talk about eleven personnel, like if he were as dangerous as they really thought he could be, then you'd find a way to get him. You packages on the field that he's on the field to score more points for you. Why would you not put a dangerous player on there? Does anybody think he's not really dangerous? Right, he might not be ready. A lot. Of, we're blaming it all on the coaching staff. But maybe if he was on another team, 
he wouldn't be doing very well either. We, we don't really know that. Well, isn't this the week, though, after what we saw, that we, we have to look at beyond Brian Schottenheimer because maybe, you know, they haven't said anything publicly, but maybe, yeah, in practice and what they see of Tavon Austin, they're just not that happy right now. Well, it's interesting, these guys that have such big upsides like Austin and Corderell Patterson, those are the top two guys taken, and no one wants to draft a number two wide receiver or what's perceived to be, but Robert Woods and Keenan Allen are kind of that number two guys, and they look a lot better. You know, they're they're more valuable right this now. This is going way back, but it reminds me of when the Colts drafted Reggie Wayne. He was billed as a number two receiver coming in and played second fiddle to Marvin Harrison for a while, but he's a complete receiver like these guys are. And he now has a thousand catches. Greg, who jumps out to you? Who's been impressive? David Bakhtiari, the left tackle for Green Bay. He might not be the best. Tackle talk. Tackle talk. I mean, that's what we got to go with this class. He might not be the best tackle in the league, or he might just be league average, but I thought he's competed well each week. He was put in a difficult spot for a Super Bowl championship contender, and he hasn't been the problem with that team. He's been a nice surprise, and it's in such great contrast to the rest of this rookie tackle class. People take offensive linemen early because they – think it's somehow a safer pick. Luke Jokel has not been great. Uh, he wasn't great before he got injured, sorry. Eric Fisher has struggled. Uh, Chance Warmack has not been a huge difference maker, I wouldn't say, in Tennessee. He's playing guard. DJ, Lane, Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson has struggled for Philadelphia. So all these offensive linemen have struggled a little bit, whereas Bakhtiari in the middle rounds looks pretty good. DJ Fluker, uh, who a lot of people criticized for that draft pick, that looks pretty good so far. Menelik Watson can't get on the field. A lot of these offensive linemen counted on to start right away are struggling. Kyle Long has done well. Maybe Chicago. it's easier for interior linemen to make an impact and not get dominated by defensive ends. or you know, Maybe they don't have to worry about the pass rush as much because Kyle Long's playing well. Larry Warford, who is a big Mark Sessler guy for the Detroit Lions, is blowing people off the ball and protecting Stafford Wait, he's well. He's a Sessler fan? Well, no, no, no. It's the other way around. Vice versa. Yeah. Uh, I, I think been, he's, been, he, he's probably been, in my, my opinion, the best of the entire bunch. Travis Fed, Frederick from the Cowboys. The Cowboys, surprisingly, are number three in pro football focuses. Offensive line rankings, that was supposed to be a big weak spot for them this year. I had this image of Warford you know, driving to the team facility, listening to the podcast, being like, oh, I hope he's got one of those Sesslers again. You know, just <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not expecting that to be the case. Uh, but let me ask you a question, Greg, because – when we've seen a guy like Joe Thomas in Cleveland, some of your better... Tackle talk. Well, they, they're good from day one. Your, your truly elite left tackles are good from day one. A guy like Frederick, I think, has gotten better each game. But when you have a, these tackles that are struggling, do you really expect them to be something real different a year from now? Or is this what we get with them? Well, I think you can expect them to improve, but it's a fair point. Eric Fisher... You know, you took him with that pick to be a great player, and he is really struggling. So I don't think it's too early to be concerned. Dan's giggling over there. Dan wants to go back to more contract discussions. <laughs> he, he, I know. He, he no, does not no, like the, reason the offensive why, lineman talk. No, we're coming up, up the stairs before the podcast, and Mark comes up to me. He's like, hey, we should make sure we don't get too bogged down talking about the linemen. And then I say, Mark is like, no, Greg, tell me this. When we well, talk about the offensive you know line. It's become, more, it's become more interesting than I imagined it would. I, if the listeners are falling off at the you know, no, one by no, one. Go ahead. go ahead and forget about this me. This is why they come to the Around League podcast. It's not, you, but it's cool. You can go. Go to the Damashek podcast and talk about uniforms and you know mascots. We're going to talk about offensive linemen until you never listen to us hey, again. That's a sell. <laughs> hey, Mark, I've got a question for you. Okay. How is Andre Ellington outplaying Monty Ball? 
That's another great question because it's, you know, it's it, this expectation put on Monty Ball where you thought, you know, this guy could probably come in, do 1,200 yards and anchor this backfield. It's been completely the opposite. I don't think anyone even, you know, your average fan had no idea who Ellington was, but he looks to me like what we wanted someone like Tavon Austin to be as a as a guy out of the backfield that we thought they'd use him at. He's quick. He can catch the ball. You know, I like him when he's on the field. It's not, oh, you know they're going to... Like, when, when Trent Richardson was in Cleveland, you knew they were, if he was on there, it was a running play to him. It's not the case with Ellington. You have no idea where they're going to go. Hey, I know we... Um, you know, it's fun talking about the guys that have been impressive, but forget that. I like talking about guys that could be a first-round bust. So who, who has jumped out... Let's keep it negative around here. <laughs> who has jumped out to you guys as a potential, the whiff of a bust in the air? Well, we've already talked about Tavon Austin and the offensive tackles. Uh, you want to tell me about this cornerback from the Jets? Well, you know what, Demil- I will say this. Rex Ryan is a great defensive coach. Um, he obviously has good instincts when it comes to uh, putting together a defensive line. I don't know if I trust him in terms of scouting secondary talent. Kyle Wilson in 2010 was supposed to be a missing piece to pair with Revis for years, and that didn't work out. He's essentially a you know nickel uh, corner there. And now with Milner, it's very early, but he has not been impressive. He's even drawn some criticism from his teammates about his ability to compete. Now he's battling an injury. Um, so he has not made the impact the Jets were hoping for when you have to when you trade Revis. Their hope was to draft this new corner and then that would make everyone forget about Revis. It has not worked out that way. I'm surprised not many people have gotten on the hey Manti Teo is really struggling train yet because he can't get on the field and when he's on there he's been a big problem for them. He's been invisible. Is he healthy? He's on the field. He's playing. Yeah. Nobody got my invisible. Joke. I got it. I got it. <laughs> I, oh, I think it helps that, that he's not playing thing. in you know, New York. He's playing in San Diego where essentially you know, they can't even sell out their stadium. One more guy. This is going to sound like hyperbole. One more guy who's playing really well. Eric Reed is an upgrade on Deshaun Goldson. Hmm. That's a good point. He, he's another guy that could win. There's a lot more defensive players, I feel like, that are excelling right now. Yeah. He's been great. Marcus Cooper from the Chiefs. Claimed off waivers from the 49ers. Right. And has been really good for the, at cornerback for them. He's he's really the last couple games two straight game deciding interceptions, and he's done that all season. And how about all of us that picked Eddie Lacy to be offensive rookie of the year? Give him a couple more weeks at this rate. He's starting to be a huge difference maker on that offense. He's still got a good chance to win that thing. I mean, he's running people over. He's making people miss. It's getting me out of my seat. <laughs> Who would you, his chief competition would be Gio Bernard and Keenan Allen. That sounds about right for Rookie of the Year offensive. Hopkins, if he could turn it on. Woods, if he could turn it on. They're all kind of in that mix. I wouldn't say anyone's standing out. You know, your boy EJ Manuel, if he came and won seven straight games or He's something. He's out for another four to six weeks. Yeah, could they ever go lineman on offense? I don't oh, see that ever happening. Greg Di- Warford? Mark digging in on the lineman again. <laughs> Going Warford, baby. <laughs> Um, uh, this did not skew as negative as I would have hoped. Is there anyone else we want to throw in there for busts? You know, don't push it. All right, you're all positive bunch. Congratulations. Maybe we should have prepared for this segment. Geno oh, Smith. <laughs> <laughs> How Ar- dare you, Smith. Arthur Brown's been a disappointment that he can't get on the field. There's one for you. Um, all right, good. Hang in there, Arthur. It gets better. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's move on. Good rookie talk, guys. Uh, you know, we stuck a fork in the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> 
last week. So now it is time, K. Rich, to uh, do it again. Here lies the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who expired this month after a long battle with Greg Schiano's ego. <laughs> Guys. <laughs> Wasn't really that long of a battle either. <laughs> no, they didn't fight. They didn't fight that hard. Uh, they are uh, where are we at right now. They're they're one and five. Oh and five. Oh and five. And that week away really was a problem. Yeah, that, I'm telling you. Uh, and you know, Mike Lennon does not. To me, I don't know why. Doesn't inspire confidence as a guy that is about to take a team and lead it uh, to the promised land. So I'm confident putting the fork in him. I voted to stick the fork in the Buccaneers because Greg had been touting their defense, which was a top five unit in the NFL, and then they got blown out by Nick Foles. I mean, come on. If you're a good defense, Nick Foles doesn't take care of business against you. It should be said that we have to be voting unanimously to knock a team out, and this was the only team we could agree on. And I think Freeman said it best. There aren't enough quality people trying to be high-quality people in this organization. Have a nice day. <laughs> Mark, do you want to um, cycle back to your June 14th post? Yes, I do. Thank you. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, colon, five reasons they make the playoffs. You know. Do you want to go over any of these? There were probably 20 reasons why they wouldn't. What, what and I listed. All right. I, uh, real quick, the five reasons. Josh Freeman. I will stick a knife in your, the tire of your car by the time you stay in. I'll just me. leave it at one, which is I'm a big believer in Josh Freeman. Listen, I uh, a lot had to go right for that prediction to uh, become anything close to true, and it's been an absolute epic train wreck. Well, in Mark's defense, Football Outsiders wrote this week that according to their numbers that go back to 1991, they are the best 0-5 team in the last whatever amount of years that is, 32 years. So... As 0-5 teams go, they're not so bad. I don't think any of us have a problem sticking a fork in them because Mike Glennon and a house that does not seem to really enjoy playing for Greg Schiano. I don't think any of us think that Mike Glennon and a team that doesn't really like playing for Greg Schiano is suddenly going to rip off you know, 9 or 10 wins the rest of the way. But they haven't been nearly as bad as, say, the Giants or... The Jaguars, and that's better. This felt to me, real quick, <laughs> like the team, you know, Shiano and Belichick are best friends. He's down there trying to build what is a completely different program than they've had in a long time. It could have, in my mind, gone in the other direction, but I think Shiano has proven that he cannot keep control of this team. They don't like playing for him. You're right. You're hearing that all over the place. And that's when, when that happens, I don't think there's much hope. Best 0-5 team. Is that kind of like being the best Cincinnati Bengals scout in the 1990s? <laughs> and I wanted to see someone uh, take that stat, best 0-5 team ever or whatever, to Bill Parcells and see how it, how it goes over. I go well. You are what your record says you are. Um, they won one game in the last 11 now. I mean, wow. that's pretty crazy. And it was week 17 against the Falcons who had nothing to play for. So they've... They really haven't won since, I think, October last year. Has your opinion changed since a few weeks ago when we talked about this and you thought Shiano might keep his job? Oh, yeah. I still think he will. You do? I do. They're I one do. in their last 11? Well, I mean, if they go 0-16, that changes. But I think Glennon's played pretty well. I know he's an easy target for jokes. He has not been the problem in those two losses, especially last week. He hasn't week. been the solution Why is he either? an easy target for jokes? Because he's probably the worst dancer in the NFL. <laughs> 
Because he looks like he a looks gi- like a cartoon giraffe. Yeah. Oh, see, I was trying to be subtle about it, and then Wes comes in with a nasty physical dig. Crystal, uh, take, hey, I like take away that invitation giraffes. to Mike Glennon joining the podcast on Friday. <laughs> I like cartoon giraffes. Oh, how dare you, Mark? By the way, number five in your post, uh, the Bucks <laughs> exited the Raheem Morris era drenched in chaos, but Shiano arrived with a plan. Tampa's coaching staff and front office are in sync. Ow! <laughs> well. Next week on the show, we will be revisiting Dan's running back rankings. <laughs> I was so. waiting for that. Hang Don't tight do for it. that. Because I actually checked in on that recently, and it's not going so well. We, we got to have at the end of the season maybe the worst posts of the year. That should be a oh, post. Wow. And right now, Sessler, your Bucks one. I feel like it's pretty, Well, I, I didn't want to bring this up, but we had a later discussion where we go back and forth on email. We talked what the next dynasty could be, which was an egregious post to begin with. But I think I believe I made an argument for Tampa Bay in that post, too. So it's a disaster. Like I'm my, not happy. We'll my that one up. to David Wilson isn't looking very good right now. No. No, I think we all have, we've all done it. Uh, it just happened that I remembered Mark's post, and now we get to cite it. <laughs> um, Fantastic. All right. So, yeah, that do we have anything else to say on the Bucks? And does this mean we don't really talk about the Bucks that much anymore? Like, what is the uh, podcast... They're dead to us. Well, we're going to preview and review every game every week. So Except we'll theirs. Except theirs. <laughs> I think they don't exist. There are 31 teams in the league. We've, our load has been lighting. now. The Jaguars, Jaguars are also 30 out. teams in the league. We'll have to nice. decide when two teams face each other that have both been put out of their misery. Do we preview? I still think we should Media blackout on all fronts. <laughs> <laughs> Less work. You know how you know Chiefs fans think we're all rooting against them and we hate them? I really am rooting against every team that we stick a fork in now because I don't want to be wrong at all. So I'm rooting against once you're once the fork is in, you're dead to me. It's all about you. Yes. <laughs> Who wins in a d- dance off between Mike Lennon and Eli Manning? Mark Madsen. <laughs> He's the judge. I go Eli. Yeah, me too. He's from New Orleans. Come on. Okay. He's so, rich. <laughs> okay. So that is it for the podcast. Uh, we. Hey, K-Rich, by the way, do you think it's soon time to bring back Win Wes's Toaster? Are we getting close to that time? Win Wes's Toaster. <laughs> Next week there will be an appearance. Okay, so if you're, if you're listening right now and you want to take Wes on in a challenge of football knowledge supremacy for a chance to win the toaster that sits on Wes's desk, uh, start tweeting at the NFL ATL account or also at K-Rich. K-Rich, what's your handle? At K-R-Y-S-T-L-E-R-I-C-H. All right, cool. Um, And then uh, we'll be back on Friday. We will talk about uh, the Thursday night game and then dig in on all of Sunday's action in terms of a preview, go over our hero picks, you know the drill. Um, But that's it for now. I'm Dan Hansis signing off for the mailman, the sizzler, the boss, K-Rich behind the glass, and, of course, Lyle the intern. Until Friday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 